Yeah. All right. I'm going to... Yeah, we're good? We're good. Oh, sweet. So, good morning, Pathway. My name is Ryan, and uh, we get to close off this little mini-series, this little mini-pre-Christmas series today. So, as Christmas is a really big deal for us. Uh, we've spent the last two weeks looking at Jesus. You might think, yeah, so what? You're a church. That's surely all you do. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're correct. <laughs> Absolutely. However, this particular little mini-series, we've just uh, sought to understand the extraordinary Jesus. Etienne showed us in week one that Jesus is fully God. The extra part. Jesus is fully God, not separate from God, but God. And because of this, we can know God since we can know Jesus. If that's a little confusing, I don't blame you. Listen to the recording online. You'll find them on our website. Uh, In week two, we looked at the ordinary Jesus. Jesus is fully man. He experienced life on this earth fully human. And because of this, Jesus gets it. He gets the struggle of life on earth. He gets what it is to be human. Now, my job today is to bring these two ideas together. They are not mutually exclusive. Just because he is one doesn't mean he can't be the other. Jesus is both fully God, fully man. Extra and ordinary. Extraordinary. But we aren't just looking at how it all works and seeking to understand it. The fact that Jesus is extraordinary should make a massive difference in our life today too. So we'll look into that as well. Let's get myself organised here. So normally what we do in this part of a Sunday morning is read a bit of the Bible, which Karen did for us, and then pull it apart to see what it has to say to us today. We're not really going to be doing that this morning. Instead, we'll look at a much broader theology of the Bible and what it has to say about Jesus being both God and man and why it matters. So that passage we just read, while yes, it's very relevant, uh, it won't be getting picked apart like normal this morning. Now, just to set the theme a little more, I'd like to read a quote from a book. Hang on. Just a bit of light reading, if anyone's interested. Called Christian Theology. Uh, pretty great. Anyway, it's got a quote, which I think should be there. Uh, it says this, The doctrine of the person of Jesus Christ does not end at the point of describing his divine and human natures. The unity of the two natures has extensive implications for the understanding of Christian theology. And then he goes on to say a little later on in this same chapter, This is one of the most difficult of all theological problems. Ranking with the Trinity and the relationship of human free will and divine sovereignty. If that was all gobbledygook to you, basically this Erickson guy who wrote the book is saying that this is an incredibly difficult and mysterious thing to try and grasp, to try and understand and to try and grapple with. But it is absolutely essential to the Christian faith. Meaning, we're in for a bit of a ride this morning, so hold on. So this issue of Jesus, fully God, fully man, it's been discussed far and wide for centuries, especially the first three, four hundred years of Christianity. During this time, there were many different ideas and understandings of, of how Jesus is both God and man. Just about all these are horribly difficult words to pronounce and nearly always end in ism, like Apollinarianism, Nestorianism, and this one I don't even know if I'm saying it right, Eutychianism, to name a few. 
I won't bore you with the details of each of these viewpoints, uh, partly because it's difficult to sum up quickly, but mostly because I don't know them all. But basically, these ideas are heresies. They are heresies because of the way that they either deny Jesus of complete and genuine divinity or they deny him of complete and genuine humanity. They fail to explain how he is both and fully both at that. This is a hard thing to grasp. Hence why there are many ideas, uh, there have been many ideas trying to make it understandable to our human mind. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Not a 50-50 split, but 100-100. Again, this probably doesn't make a lot of sense, uh, at least not right now anyway. How can someone be two distinctly different things at once? And so what if he is or isn't? Why does it even matter? Well, I hope and trust that God will reveal to us a little more the answers to these questions this morning. But before we do launch in, would you allow me to stop now and pray? God, this topic is a weird one. It's very hard, even seemingly impossible to understand. As we chat this morning, would you please give us clarity and understanding? Please give us insight into your word and what you are saying to us. Please help us, Lord. Father, I pray your words would be what is heard this morning, not mine. Use me, use the words spoken, the notes and research done for your glory. May each of us leave here this morning a little more in awe of who you are, a little more in awe of who Jesus is and what he did for us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So as I've already mentioned, and the la as the last two weeks of this series has shown us, Jesus is both fully God, fully man. We see this idea pretty clearly throughout the Bible. We see it in John, verse, uh, John chapter 1, verse 14, and we read it just a couple of weeks ago. John kicks his gospel off in a pretty unique way. It's almost a little bit cryptic in the way that he's using the word, word. The word, word, in John chapter 1 is referring to Jesus. Jesus is the word. So John 1.14 says this, The word, that's Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus, the word, became flesh. The son of God came to dwell here on earth. He didn't ditch his divinity to become human. He adopted humanity while remaining fully God. A helpful way to think of Jesus coming to earth as a man, yet fully God, is to think of the fastest runner in the world. So Usain Bolt. He's an incredibly fast sprinter. If he entered himself into a three-legged race, would he be able to run as fast as he could? No, no way. But is he still the fastest runner in the world? Yes. Just because Usain Bolt voluntarily coupled himself with another person does not mean that he's no longer the fastest runner anymore. His ability is not in essence diminished, but the conditions imposed on him limit actual performance. The same can kind of be said of Jesus because he voluntarily coupled himself with humankind it does not mean that he's, still, that he's not God. So that's the best analogy I could find to explain this. Despite this, I'm sure they're still somewhat confusing uh, and I think to a certain extent the mystery and the confusion around this is good, which actually leads me to one more analogy. Imagine an ant trying to comprehend the intricacies of a smartphone. 
The ant, with its limited perception and cognitive abilities, cannot grasp the technology, the purpose or the complexity behind the smartphone. Like the ant, humans without finite minds are unable to fully comprehend the vastness and complexity of God. Just as a smartphone's design, function and capability surpass the ant's understanding, God's power, nature and complexity transcend the limitations of the human comprehension. Our inability to fully understand God underscores his unfathomable greatness and magnificence. God does stuff and knows stuff that we cannot possibly understand. The mystery and inability to understand all of God and all his ways is actually a good thing. We do not serve a puny God. He's beyond anything we can imagine or ever understand. May this not be a cause to scoff or for doubt or dismay, but of joy and wonder. A God that we can understand is not very big or very powerful. The God we serve and love is way, way bigger and way, way more complex than we can ever understand. This is not a cop-out or a way to dodge the unknowns of the Christian faith. This is a good thing. Because Jesus being fully God and fully man is a bit of a mystery to us, it does not mean that it's not true. Because the ant cannot understand the smartphone, it doesn't mean the smartphone isn't a thing or that it doesn't work. Now, I hope we're okay to leave it there for now. We could dive a long way down this rabbit hole. I'm going to leave it there for now. The mysteries of God are a good thing. We shouldn't, he shouldn't be fully understandable to us. He's way, way, way too big for that. So why does it matter that Jesus is fully God and fully man? Why does it have to be this way? If God is so big and so powerful, why did he have to send his own son to earth? Why not come up with some other plan that's easier on him and doesn't require him to give so much? Like, why couldn't he just snap his fingers and say, fixed? God is all-powerful, yes, he can do anything he wants, as long as it's in line with his nature. For example, God is holy. It is impossible for him to do something unholy. God is love. It is impossible for him to be unloving. God is truth. It's impossible for him to lie. So yes, God can do anything and everything provided it's in line with his character and nature which if you think about it, means that in some ways God's kind of limited with what he can do. Now, I know I'm dancing along an interesting line here, but God is bound by his nature. To be honest, this idea is actually a little bit new to me uh, and I don't know if it is for you as well. Now, it's no good me just saying this without showing some places where it's found in the Bible. And yep, it is found in the Bible. I have just a couple of verses I'd like to mention now. So we're going to look at 2 Timothy 2.13 where it says... If we are faithless, he, God, remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. God cannot disown himself and be faithless. We see a similar thing in Hebrews 6, verse 18, where it says, It is impossible for God to lie. So, God must be true to himself, true to his character. He is pure, holy, just and loving which is important to grasp when we asked the questions just a moment ago. 
Why does it matter that Jesus is fully God and fully man? Why does it have to be this way? And if God is indeed so big and powerful, why did he have to send his own son to earth? Why not come up with some other plan that's easier on him and doesn't require to give him so much, like clicking his fingers? Because God is bound by his character, he sent Jesus, his only son, to earth as a baby boy at Christmas time. And he did this out of a loving necessity of justice. I think we can all agree that while justice is often painful to deliver and painful to receive as well, is a loving and necessary thing to do. Think about it. If a person robs a bank or murders someone, it's not loving just to let them go without some sort of justice being served. It's not loving to the owners of the bank or to the murdered person's family to let it slip. But more than that, it's not loving to let the naughty person continue on in life without some justice being served. If a crime is committed, the price needs to be paid. It is so ingrained in us. You don't believe me? Try poking a kid or steal their toy. Well, actually, don't, don't do that because it's just plain mean. But let's imagine you did. Or remember a time when you witnessed it or did it to your sibling or one of your siblings did it to you. I bet you either wanted to poke them back or they poked you back. I bet that you were told on for stealing their toy. This reaction was not taught. It is instinctual. Hence why we see it clearly in little tiny kids. Justice is ingrained in us. It is, just, it is a part of God's design and a part of his character too. We are created in his image and therefore carry, although very un- imperfectly, his characteristics. So because God is bound by his nature and out of loving necessity, and out of a loving necessity, justice needs to be served. Because God is bound by his nature, it is out of loving necessity that justice needs to be served. The only way true justice can be served is the price needs to be paid. The only way that that price can be paid is by God's own, fully God, fully man, perfect son. Again, it is out of a loving necessity God did all this for us. So to sum up quickly before we move on, I know I'm saying a lot of things. Firstly, Jesus, the fully God, fully man, came to earth as a baby boy. He didn't ditch divinity to become human. Like the three-legged race analogy, Jesus voluntarily coupled himself with humanity and still remained fully God. While there is still some mystery around this, that's okay. Actually, it's even good because God should be big enough to blow our minds. Secondly, God is bound by his nature and he has to deliver justice. It is the only way to truly love his people. Neglecting justice or ignoring the issue is not loving. Instead, God confronted sin head on by sending his only son to earth as a baby boy and he did it for our sake. Which takes us to the next point, which I think is still not answered. Casting back a week, Etienne shared with us just last week how Jesus became a man to sympathise with our humanness, to be able to relate to us better. Etienne also shared how Jesus came to show us how to live as a true human. Absolutely, Jesus did all this, but there is way, way more to it than just that. Actually, Etienne left everyone in suspense last week and teased that this was coming. Kind of piling a fair bit of pressure on me, but hey, it's all right. So then why? Why is this Jesus, fully God, fully man, important? We get that he is that, 
And we get that God had to do it this way because he's bound by his character. But why does it matter to us? What difference does it make? Why did Christmas have to happen like it did? The word becoming flesh, why? Because only Jesus can pay the price. Because only a perfect sacrifice can bring about perfect justice. But you might now be thinking, hang on Ryan, you have Easter and Christmas all confused. Christmas is all about a baby Jesus in a manger and angels and shepherds and stuff. Why are we talking about sin and justice? That's the Easter story. To which I would respond, why was the little baby Jesus sent to earth in the first place? To be that perfect sacrifice for us. So yes, Christmas is tomorrow and it is good to celebrate it. Absolutely. However, Christmas is not is sorry, Christmas is just the beginning. Look ahead to why Jesus came at Christmas. Look ahead to the cross, the cross that Jesus bore for you and for me. There is a price to pay for the stuff that we do that is not good. We've talked about that. The church word for this is sin. Sin is a part of our lives every day. We all do stuff, we all think stuff, we all say stuff that is not good. But God calls us to be holy and we're often far from it. What needs to happen then to our sin? Like the bank robber or the murderer I mentioned earlier on, is not loving to let them get away with it. Justice is required. Not only is, just, is it required, but it's also essential and true to, from a just and holy God. And as mankind are the culprits and have sinned, only mankind can pay for it. The penalty was due to us, humans, Jesus, being fully human, could stand in our place and take it. Instead of God's wrath and justice coming at us, it went to Jesus instead. Only a human could take the punishment and penalty that was due to us. Because Jesus was fully man, it could be him instead. But it could not be anyone, any man or any woman. This person had to be without blemish, spotless, sinless, perfect and only one person has ever been that and that's Jesus because we are sinful we cannot ever be nor can we ever offer a perfect sacrifice that will cover us for our sin to explore the concept of the divinity of Jesus and why he had to be fully God I'd like to explore very quickly uh, question 17 from the Heidelberg Catechism question is why must he also be true God And the answer given, so that by the power of his divinity he might bear the weight of God's anger in his humanity and earn for us and restore to us the uh, righteousness and life. Now a blog post from the Gospel Coalition helps us unpack this answer a little bit. So I'm going to read the quote here. This answer focuses on the power coming from his divine nature. There is no way any mere human could bear and fully satisfy God's wrath. By nature, this wrath is infinite in quality. In order to bear the weight of the wrath, it is essential that the Saviour be divine. But also, in order to satisfy this wrath, he had to offer a sacrifice of such value that God would be pleased to accept it. Only Christ, as God, could bring a sacrifice of infinite and eternal value to God that he would propitiate heaven's wrath. 
By virtue of his divine nature, he is able to earn for us an eternal life and favour with God. Finally, the divinity of Christ means that he is able to be raised from the dead after conquering it and therefore apply the benefits he has earned to us, for us. In short, the answer is, Jesus had to be fully God so that he could satisfy God's wrath and secure for us true righteousness and life. Jesus, God's own son, is the perfect sacrifice sent to earth for us. Perfectly human, perfectly God. That's why Christmas is a big deal. Jesus came to earth. He was born of a virgin, fully man, conceived by the Holy Spirit and sinless, fully God. We celebrate Jesus' earthly arrival at Christmas time. It was all for us. All to make a way for us to be made right with God. Which takes us to the final part of today's sermon. We're going to now share in communion or the Lord's Supper. The Christmas story, in the end, points us to Easter. Jesus conquering sin on the cross and death in the grave. Look at what Romans 8 verses 3 and 4 says. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied in us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. We are unable to save ourselves. Following the law, being a good person, is not enough. Nothing we can ever do is enough. But notice what Romans says. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his Son. God did it. It isn't up to us. Jesus came to earth as a baby in this little manger thing, to be the perfect sacrifice for each of us. The Lord's Supper is all about being reminded of this, to celebrate it, to pause, to wonder, to be in awe. So we're going to participate in that now. The musos are going to lead us in instrumental, I believe, so head on up. Thank you. 